You're listening to the Spice Larder podcast, a monthly conversation featuring artisan producers, chefs, bakers, historians, spice experts, and more. I'm your host, Julia Roberts, and I'll be inviting guests to join me to discuss everything from gingerbread and port to food trends, spices, plus culinary and social history. You can subscribe to the Spice Larder podcast via our various media channels or via platforms such as Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. To sign up to receive our regular updates and alerts, go to our website, gingerandspicefest.co.uk. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Spice Larder podcast with me, your host, Julia Roberts. So in this episode, I have the great privilege of catching up with champion gingerbread baker, Guinness World Record holder and passionate baker, Jana Jacobson. I wanted to find out what it took to craft and bake an award-winning gingerbread sculpture, not once, but twice, and how this inspired Jana's subsequent achievement of being a Guinness World Record holder of decorated gingerbread. In this brave and honest interview, Jana shares her secrets to making an award-winning gingerbread house, her relation of being part of a world record attempt, and how being part of a community endeavour can help with feeling part of something meaningful and give purpose. We first met at the Ginger and Spice Festival 2017, uh, which was the first year, the inaugural year of the festival. Um, and we held a gingerbread baking contest, which you entered and you won. So that's the amazing story of how we met. What um, inspired you to enter the competition at the time, Yana? Well, I was, um, I was actually making the gingerbread house already so it came at a very opportune moment because I didn't know what to do with it and uh, my daughter brought in a leaflet from uh, when she was just walking around Market Drazen around town and she said hey you're making this so why not uh, enter it for the competition and I thought okay I'll do that that sounds like fun serendipity hey yeah yeah definitely (laughs) i never thought that that me making it and entering it would lead to so many interesting events in my life so yeah and let's go through that because it's been quite an interesting journey for you since then so you won the competition with your amazing russian splendor so for anyone listening if they haven't seen a, a picture of it yana um basically constructed saint basil's um cathedral but could you actually describe (laughs) what it looks like and how you put it together because it took you hundreds of hours didn't it it did it took it took about 100 hours actually i think to make it it had 100 pieces as well so basically it's uh nine separate churches within one dome uh, with within one building uh it's uh it's a very iconic russian building with they're called um onion dome tops it's very colorful it's got nine tower-like structures uh surrounding one large structure in the middle and each one at the top is decorated with an onion dome uh of a different color and, and a slightly different design so uh, it's a very iconic russian landmark and the uh, the dome, the onion domes at the top, actually remind me slightly of ice cream, of Mr. Whippy's ice cream. They're all colourful. Yeah. 
yes, yes, they, they look like that. I think it's M Middle Eastern influence because remember in Russia, the Tatars invaded Russia in the, uh, I think it's the 1400s, 1500, something like that. Anyway, it's a large invasion. They took over the country. They, they you know, they went across much land. And so I think that their architectural designs influenced Russia. So there's a lot of East and West in Russia, lots of mixed in clothes, in fashion, in cooking, and also in architecture. Great. And why particularly did this iconic building appeal to you, Jana? It was done as a dare. I did it as a dare. I, I, I had absolutely no intention of ever making any gingerbread. I've never made any gingerbread in my life. I wasn't that particularly bothered, but my daughter and I were bored. We were watching uh, the Great British Bake Off and um, one of the contestants made the gingerbread. Um, I think it was, it was a gingerbread pub. And she went into a lot of detail and it was like she was really stressed showing it off. And, and I thought, gosh, if you're going to go into so much hard work, make something that looks pretty. So I said to my daughter, well, if I was going to make a gingerbread house, I'd make St. Basil's Cathedral because that that is a wow factor gingerbread. And she said, well, go on, then make it. <laughs> so I said, OK, I will. And two years later, after sadly my mother passed away i was sort of at a loss and i wanted to focus on something that had nothing to do with real life so i thought right i think now's the time to make this gingerbread st basil's cathedral because that'll be a wacky thing to do and so i started doing it and that was the first time i ever made any gingerbread well, that, that in itself is incredible because to go from nothing, no, no experience, no making gingerbread houses to making this masterpiece, which you actually won the competition with, but then launched onto other things. So I know that um, you were then approached by Channel 4, weren't you? I was. I was. It was such a surprise. A year later, or a few months later, I got a phone call from Love Production. They said... Uh, Oh, hi, Yana. We saw your gingerbread at St. Basil's Cathedral. Would you like to be on Kirsty's Handmade Christmas show, making your gingerbread? And I thought, oh, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, what, definitely. But I didn't realise I had to go through the, um, uh, you know, I had to actually be picked, you know, so it took a long time for them to pick me and I had to fill in loads of forms and I had to do almost a minute by minute account of the build i mean it was a rigorous um entry but um it was it, you know you know i i really like new challenges i thrive on doing something i've never done before i really enjoy the idea of of launching myself into something brand new i love experiences so for me, it really didn't matter whether whether I'd get in or whether I'd win, you know, just the experience of doing it was fine. And uh, and I just go with the flow. So, yeah, I got in. They, they said, yes, we'll accept you to be on the show. What are you going to make? And I said, well, I'm just going to do the same because there's, I don't have time to, to think of anything else to do. So uh, So my daughter drove me all the way to Devon to be on the show. 
So Jana, just tell us, how many hours does it actually take you to make this masterpiece? So it takes about two or three weeks to actually bake off each piece, you know, all the pieces, sorry. So if you think about it, it, it it's built as a structure of two dimensional biscuits and on top of them sit three, three dimensional biscuits and then another row of two dimensions. You're basically building like a Lego structure uh, and it's got to, it had to be over 30 centimeters high. So the construction is complex and each piece has to be baked off individually and I wanted to have windows in them so I could shine light through it so I had to make holes in each piece and then uh, you know bake it like that just working out what pieces I need and how many pieces are going to go into each tower takes a long time takes preparation and then to actually find molds to create those shapes so I just raided my kitchen I, I took out all my molds everything that I had I had a uh, rum bubba mold that I used and I had a different molds that I used uh, baked bean tins to make semicircular you know three-dimensional structures and it was trial and error because you know the first ones I made melted you know so so I couldn't use them so so you know I might have done two or three of the same piece just to get it right so it took about yeah two two or three weeks to actually bake off the pieces and I, am I right in saying, therefore, that out of the hundreds of hours you spent, quite a significant proportion of that is allotted to the sort of thought process of sort of how you're going to construct and then testing that out? Yeah, it, I, think, I think I sort of launched into it. Uh, that's my style. If you've ever, ever read the book, um, um, uh, uh, the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I yeah, I have. Well, I've read half of it, actually. Yeah, yeah, I only read half of it. It gets really weird in the middle. What um, does that say about us, Yana? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> they, they say there's two types of people. One person will read the uh, instructions really carefully and do everything, you know, the way that the instructions say. And the other person will just take the engine apart and, and try and put it back together. And, and I'm, I'm the second one. I'll just go for it, you know. So, Yana, okay. do just explain to the listeners a little bit about the creative process you went through in making the gingerbread and what you sort of brought in from your previous sort of experience to do this. I think, I think it's important to realise that, that creativity mostly is, is playing, you know, like children play. Children create a lot of stuff when they're playing. And I think as adults, we forget that play is a very important part of creativity. So... I was um I just spent a lot of time without even being conscious of it of thinking how I was going to build it what equipment I was going to use um how I was going to construct it and I wasn't pressuring myself you know a lot of it it's got nothing to do with getting things right that's another thing to do stress that if you're going to do something weird or amazing or or um, unusual then the most important thing is not to worry whether it, it goes completely wrong and, and you fail because that's part of the process as well so um so so I, I i realized that what i had to do with the gingerbread um house is actually constructed quite rigorously and i have to tell you an anecdote that having built this this, this quite complex structure I tried a year later with a group of children to build a normal gingerbread house, you know, like the type you get in the shop, you know, little kit. I couldn't do it, Julia. It was too hard. 
I re I couldn't. It kept falling down, and I have to say that if if I'd have tried to make like a normal house with the roof and four walls, I probably wouldn't have even bothered doing my structure because I would have thought it's really hard to do a house because a normal house, you know, you're trying to balance like six different um, flat elements on top of each other, and that's so hard. I don't know how people do it. So. So basically, I realised I had to I had to build it, you know, in stages, sort of from the floor upwards. But the first thing I had to do, I had to create cardboard cutouts as my moulds. So I did that first. Then I, as I say, rummaged around trying to find ways of of making the uh, circular or semicircular shape. Now, how do I make shapes? You know, so all of it was just playing around with stuff. And I think that, that when people create, they just play. It's really good fun. I, I would encourage anyone who has in the back of the mind thought, oh, I'd love to do that. Just do it. You know, it really doesn't matter whether it works or not, because at some point, something will work. Just allow yourself to play. And I presume sort of what you're saying is um, through the creative process, one sort of finds um, either whether they can do something or actually possibly it leads to other things and other doors opening and other sort of creative ideas coming and being born in that moment. Absolutely. Because what you're doing is you're opening a door in your mind that probably has been sort of, you know, shut quite strongly by the school system, by growing up, by, by knowing that you have to, you know, be responsible and do things properly. And, you know, so, so when you, when you sort of, you know, edge it open and loads of stuff comes out and it could lead you anywhere it could lead you to totally unexpected places so uh, i would encourage everyone to just start something and you will know very quickly whether it interests you or not because you know i would not have spent a hundred hours constructing this house if i didn't want to you know see the end of the project like i can't do matchsticks boats or you know churches that people build for me that is not something that i would want to dedicate time to but baking baking is my sculpting if you know what i mean so yana we were just talking about the creative process of making russian splendor which of course you've won two competitions with so firstly as we've touched on the ginger and spice festival 2017 but then on your channel for uh debut you go and win Kirsty's Handmade Christmas. Now, it was judged by the gingerbread maid who has been a guest on the Spice Order podcast, Emily. We loved meeting her. So she was, she was the final judge, I think, on, on that show. Tell us about the process and how that felt to win. It, it, it was amazing. It was wonderful. I, uh, I was so excited and uh, uh, it was filmed in a really, really amazing house full of large stuffed animals and, and it, it was labyrinthian, you know, the tiny little staircases going up and down and libraries with, you know, a polar bear and, 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 and I think it had eagles stuffed, I mean, really exotic stuffed animals. It was just, just blew my mind away. It's a um, museum. No, no, no! Just someone's big country house in Devon. It 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 was really spectacular. I met the other three contestants, and they were lovely. The production crew were amazing. They were all such lovely people, and um, yeah, we we all got into the room. 
it's um, shown at Christmas, but this was September, so it, it's made to look like, like it's cold outside. But, but actually, it was nice and sunny, and the room was boiling hot. So a lot of people, well, the three contestants had a lot of trouble with their bakes because the um, icing was melting. They couldn't get their structures to stand up. So, so there were a few little problems there. And then you were crowned champion of that as well with Russian Splendor. Did you win anything in particular or was it just the prestige of the title, Jana? Well, I have to say I won a very, very important thing, Julia. I won a wooden structure that's got a tiny little gingerbread house, a little man little wooden man holding gold golden wooden man holding a gingerbread house so i'm just chuffed to have that on my mantelpiece that's amazing so congratulations jana the one of many of the awards you've been racking up over the last three years but let's just move slightly now into the baking part of this because we've talked about construction um and how you you know that was a really steep learning curve for you and, and a challenge clearly one that you accomplished remarkably but you've had, um, with the baking side of the whole um, gingerbread house process, you've already had prior experience. I know that you're a passionate baker. Um, so did this help you while sort of assembling and putting the whole process together, the fact that you already knew how to bake? Yes, I, th I think it did. Because, well, first of all, um, at the time I was working in the local bakery. I was working in Jill's Pudding. So I was used to being on my feet for eight hours a day. I think that's one of the things that helped because we were standing up for six hours um, doing, you know, recording Kirsty's Handmade Christmas. And uh, I didn't find it difficult at all. Whereas I think the other contestants were struggling with standing up and constructing. That's number one. Number two is, um, you know, you get sort of muscle memory and you also get to know about taste. You, know, you get to, you sort of get almost sixth sense about whether something's going right or wrong. And I think the years of baking have enabled me to have a lot of confidence in, in what I'm doing. So like now in lockdown, I've started making sourdough bread and I found the process quite simple and very rewarding and I'm making really nice bread. So, you know, I'm not I'm not saying it to, to say, oh, look at me, I'm so great. I'm, I just think that experience in something creates confidence. And it also because it's my passion, then, you know, that, that that's just part of my life now, baking. So it sounds like something that started out as being quite a theric therapeutic endeavour has actually um, grown into a skill, a really useful skill. Yes, I have to say, I'm still surprised when, when something turns out right. I go, oh, <laughs> oh, I did that. <laughs> I made my daughter's wedding cake, a three-tier wedding cake. And uh, her friends were saying, oh, are you sure you want your mum to make your cake? And she says, no, no, she knows how to bake. And I said, oh, okay. And that was an issue. I've never made a wedding cake before. So, you know, every time I try and push my boundaries. Yeah. And so just going slightly back to gingerbread and, and the art of uh, crafting it, there are different recipes for it. And one presumes that gingerbread needed for sculpting and model making is different to that that's perhaps wanted for dunking and um, snacking on. Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. I, I think if, if one watches the uh, the gingerbread house episodes in, in Kirsty, you will hear the words construction gingerbread. You think, well, what on earth is construction gingerbread? Basically, it's gingerbread that's made out of a much more robust flour, which is bread flour, rather than plain flour. And, uh, and, and different people argue, do you put bicarbonate or not and you know everyone has their own recipe and the spices are kept very secret so uh, that's where my cardamom my favorite favorite spice comes in because I put cardamom in my gingerbread and that gives it a really nice flavor and I think you know when um the um gingerbread maid tasted my gingerbread she did mention that the cardamom comes through because it also had a taste element to the uh, competition so i go for things to win them but if i don't it doesn't matter so i had loads of elements in my gingerbread house so i had construction gingerbread which is done for three-dimensional builds and i had normal gingerbread which is for two-dimensional flat builds um i use acid to glue it together because acid is a, is a sugar that's been through a process which makes it robust so it sticks immediately rather than waiting hours for royal icing to dry so I, I think quite forensically and scientifically about what I'm there to achieve and the time span and you know it, it's a very logical process that I go through. And Jana in terms of the um, the tasting of the gingerbread you say that you use different types of construction and the edible. When they were tasting, was there the chance that they could tuck into a bit of the construction gingerbread? No, I didn't. I didn't give them that option. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. But, but it's not untasty. You can eat it. It's just not as tasty as, as the you know the, the sure. ones made with plain flour yeah. yeah well i'm fascinated to hear about the spice ratios and um choices for the gingerbread because this is so controversial and coming from um the town of market drayton which neither of us come from but we both live there which is the home of gingerbread the all the recipes are sort of shrouded in secrecy they've been historically locked in bank vaults um there's a complete sort of underworld of gingerbread and nobody really knows sort of what recipe goes into Billington's gingerbread. I presume you neither. I'm, I'm still trying to find out. Every time you give me a little, a little finger of it, I nibble it, desperately trying to work out what goes into it because it's one of the tastiest gingerbreads I've ever had. So yeah, it yeah. is. It is delicious. But can you divulge to us your secret recipe, or is that completely under wraps? Um, I can, I can. I mean, it's not difficult. Everyone, I think, uses the same spices. They use ginger, cinnamon, um, cloves. I, I do tend to uh, grind my own cloves because that gives it a much fresher, stronger taste. Um, uh, plain flour, uh, I use cardamom. But the cardamom, I don't put in it. No, what I do is I roll out my gingerbread mixture on top of the um, cardamom seeds and, and I grind those myself as well so I buy the whole cardamom seeds and then I grind them and I sprinkle them onto to my rolling mat and then I roll I'll roll the um, gingerbread on top of it so yeah that, that's how I make it but if anyone is interested 
let me know. I'll, I'll send you the recipe. I'm, I, I'm not one. I'm not one to keep secrets. I want everyone to have a go. So, Yana, the the, the the cardamom. What does it actually add to the flavour of the gingerbread? Can you describe that for us? I think it adds a fragrance, um, and also it adds a depth of flavour that enhances the other flavours. So there's a warmth to it, and a slightly exotic, fragrant um smell that, that that just enriches enriches the actual uh gingerbread yeah that, that's how i would describe it well it sounds absolutely delicious i must say so um you you've obviously won those two awards and then very excitingly you approached me for the third ginger and spice festival to say so you said you'd come up with a great idea and what did we think uh, so why don't you just tell the listeners about that idea and then what happens? Okay, so I think, I think if you remember rightly, I came to you with the idea on the second, uh, in 2018, while we were in the process of organising the second um, ginger uh, event, which was, uh, which was getting a whole school of kids to decorate gingerbread biscuits in a day, you know, 200 and 14 children decorated gingerbread cookies in one day and, that, and it was that during came out, that came out of the fact that you were um running an event in the 2018 festival with a local school weren't you and this is how your thought process yeah. then evolved that's it that's it so we're back to play right we're back to playing with ideas so so we organized um you know a, I and seven other helpers organised this wonderful event for the local primary school children of Longland School to uh, decorate a gingerbread man. And uh, and during that event, I was thinking, my gosh, I've never heard of a whole school decorating a gingerbread man, you know, each child in one day. This could be a world record. So I came running to you saying, "Hey, Julia, why don't we why don't we organise a a Guinness World Record where loads of kids decorate gingerbread biscuits at the same time?" And I wanted to do it there and then, but <laughs> but then I saw the thirty five pages of forms we had to fill in, so we decided to we decided to um, put it for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. So and and we did. And actually, thankfully, because I think that would have been one step too far. However, um, you then uh, took on the, the feat, the serious feat of organising it, Yana. And I must say, I mean, I was just very much in the sidelines and I didn't really um, have anything to do with the actual organising of it. But it, it was a seriously big event to put together and pull off. So just tell us how you sort of set about it. Yeah, it, it was. It was but uh, okay, so so what we needed, what we needed to do was Guinness World Record said it has to be done simultaneously, i.e. all together in one place at the same time, rather than the school, which was during the whole day. So so that was the challenge. And uh, I thought, okay, well, let's just get a big hall, get loads of kids in it, and get them to decorate biscuits. I mean, that was it, it was as simple as that. That was the idea. Then, of course, it has to be put into action, and that's where the regimental style of um, organization comes in. But remember, I've had a, I've had years of being a mum, so loads of you know, loads of. 
people, you know, people who are parents or that they work in jobs like you where you have to organize large events. I mean, gosh, you're organizing the Ginger Spice Festival every year. You know, you take it in stages. So whatever it is, you just break it down into, right, what's the first thing that needs to do? Second, get people on board, you know, all of that. Um, so so that's how it happened. And it took a year. I mean, I'm so glad that, that we had a year to plan it. The schools were on board. Everyone was on board with the idea. And I have to say that is so refreshing, so refreshing to, to have people that support you in, in, in what you want to do. Mm. Well, it was a really fantastic collaborative event because the Grove School, the secondary school in the town, took part and also the Longlands Primary School. And we had, you'll have to uh, tell me the figures on this, but I think um, over 300 biscuits were actually decorated on the day and there were a lot of pupils I mean it was an incredibly well-organized event but my word there were a lot of children in that sports hall on the day there, there were I mean the Grove School um uh, let us use their sports hall which was I think I think that it was just right just the right side there were 328 children who took part in the event um and out of those 328 324 children passed the very uh, strict guidelines of, of what constitutes a decorated biscuit. So I think that's a brilliant achievement. Um, and uh, I mean, I love kids. I absolutely love kids and I love the mayhem and I love the enthusiasm and the naughtiness. And so I was in my element in that room with all of them, you know, jumping at the bit, trying to trying to outdo each other. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was such fun, such fun. And I just sort of mentioned at this point that um, it was also kindly supported by three sponsors. So the original biscuit bakers who provided the, the biscuits. biscuits and the royal icing um, and who came along the day. And then also Jill's Puddings, who you've just mentioned previously, but they provided the tags the children needed to wear. And of course, um, David from Springfield Photographic, who very yes. kindly filmed and photoed the entire event, which was one of the criteria set by Guinness, wasn't it? Yes, yes, Guinness, Guinness uh, stipulated that the event had to be filmed from start to finish uh, in a continuous role, and also that the door, the, the entrance and the exit had to be filmed with each child being counted in to make sure that the, the, the right amount of children entered and exited and, and no one left. So because we didn't have one of their adjudicators, we had to do everything by the book to uh, show Guinness that, that we did exactly what we said we would do. Yeah. Yeah, so well um, done, Dave. Well, <laughs> the great news is that um, we can now reveal that you were awarded the amazing achievement of being a Guinness record holder. So you did it. We did it. Hurrah! We did it. We did it. We did it. The children did it. We did it. The, uh, the volunteers did it. We all did it together. I mean, yes, yes. I'm the proud owner of a certificate, but that certificate belongs to everyone who, who participated in it. So, Well, yes, you're um, being incredibly modest, Jana. I mean, you did most of the legwork. It was your baby or idea, and you did you know, a fantastic job on delivering, executing. So congratulations. It's, it's amazing. 
one thank you very much well now now i'm officially amazing that's what it says <laughs> on the you so are i can say that i'm officially <laughs> you are absolutely all right the uh, babushka baker which we'll talk about in a minute but actually one thing i will add um for anyone considering a guinness challenge <clears throat> is quite often people undertake something that they think wow that was incredible i don't think anyone else has ever done it oh let me see if i can get a guinness world record it's a retrospective application that just does not go well you for anyone wanting to do it you must plan ahead because it is hours of work and you really need to set out the criteria you need to meet the criteria and i think anything done retrospectively quite often guinness won't approve it and then it's just very sad Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think you've mentioned a couple of um, situations where people did something and then applied to Guinness. But I don't know how, how they fared. But yeah, definitely think ahead. And you know, I, I waited a year. Uh, and actually, that's fine. You know, I've learned in my old age, <laughs> that waiting for stuff to happen is okay. You know, <laughs> You know, interestingly, I think the whole process of being involved in a community festival such as Ginger and Spice, you very much learn that because, you know, in the corporate world, we've both um, lived and worked in London. Things are instant and they happen instantly and you get answers instantly. Whereas when you're sort of more in a rural environment with um, a community type structure, things do work much more slowly. And that, yes, that can be quite frustrating. Um but it's very much sort of part of the process of the third sector or the community sector. And there are different skill sets and different challenges, I suppose. Yes, yes, there are. And it, it's getting people on board and people take, you know, we all take a while to, to get the engine in our brain working about committing to something. You know, it's like it, it, it just takes time to, to get used to an idea. We've had the idea, we've maybe had it for months, even subconsciously, but they don't know that. So to get yeah. people on board, you have to feed them, drip feed them um, what is going to happen and get them enthused enough to want to be part of it. And I think that's interesting because this is very much part of the creative process because sometimes a creative idea that one has, once explored, actually may not go somewhere. But as we've alluded to earlier, another idea is born out of it. And so, uh, yes, it is a little bit trial and error. But with this one, wow, you've achieved it. So amazing, Yana. I, I, tell, I tell you, you know, it came, the news came during the lockdown and it was, uh, it was quite early on in the lockdown when all of us were a little bit scared and apprehensive about what was happening. And I have to say that day when I phoned you with the news, it was just... I just felt so elated. I felt elated and I felt, again, you know, I... I, I you know, to be a bit personal, I've suffered with, you know, mental health problems and, and, and I haven't been sure of myself. And, you know, a lot of people have the, these problems. And to get the validation that from Guinness that I've done something like that just made me feel proud of myself and also gave me confidence to do other things as well. Yeah, you're right. I think, um, you know, you should feel really proud, Jana. And also, you've done a, not just for yourself, but you've done a great thing for the town as well. Because the town is now on the map. Yes, Market Drayton is the home of gingerbread. But now it has a Guinness World Record as well. So yes. you firmly put your own town that you, where you live <laughs> in 
on the map so that is uh your your sort of in sort of entrenched in in history now gingerbread history yes and i think you know we're going to to move onwards and upwards because you know i think you and i have plans afoot for when life gets back to normal to do more fantastic gingerbread things yeah, yeah. the whole world of gingerbread it's it's uh it's the it's, sky is the limit yes crazy world <laughs> out there but but you're you're not just a talented baker a gingerbread house maker uh, you're also a graduate with an ma in russian studies You've worked yes. with Archbishop of Canterbury at Lambeth Palace. You've coordinated um, the Lost Kids section at Glastonbury. And I think you're a manager of an art centre in Lewis, co-founding um, the bands as part of the famous Bonfire Society. So, wow. And not just that, you're a mother and a grandmother. So yes. you, <laughs> have a, you have a lot to be very proud about. Um, and I know right now you step back from work because you're now looking after your granddaughter Kitty. Um, just tell us a little about a little bit about Kitty. Does she enjoy getting involved in gingerbread making? Um, she does. She uh, the, the pictures of, of me showing her how to grate, you know, how, how to uh, grate the gingerbread to create the design, the right design. So I have to. Uh, I have to basically use the cheese grater and cut the edges off, and I was helping her do that. But, uh, you know, Kitty has, um, she's a wonderful child. She's eight now, she's a big girl, uh, but she has um, a condition called Angelman syndrome. So, so she has a disability, and I think what she really enjoys at the moment is the very hot, sunny weather and splashing around in her swimming pool. So, um, Thank God we've got nice weather. But yes, she's a full-time job, you know, and a very important job. I have to say, I was uh, doing work on my Russian tea room trailer, which we'll talk about at some point. But uh, uh, I was doing that using my drill and my jigsaw. And she was splashing in the garden. And I just said, thank you, God, for this beautiful house and beautiful garden and beautiful town and beautiful friends. So... I, I just have a wonderful life with her. It's just me and her here together in the house. And uh, she's just super and she keeps me busy. She keeps me on my toes. I don't have time to get bored or just sit there, you know, not doing anything. So um, through her, I think I have a lot of energy. That's that's lovely to hear, Yana. And I mean, you know, you, you just touched on the fact that you were setting up a sort of on entrepreneurial enterprise called I think Babushka Bakes and you were setting up setting up a Russian tea room and you bought a trailer but um now you sort of parked that put that aside to look after Kitty so again another thing to be really proud of thank you yeah thank you well you know we wish you very well Yana in all you're doing and we're really excited about any future plans that we can um work on as a team for celebrating the town that is the home of gingerbread. Yes, yes, thank you, Julia. And I have to say a big thank you to you for supplying the platform where my ideas can come to fruition and, and where I feel loved and supported to, to continue with these uh, fun projects. Oh, well, thank yeah. you very much for that. It's it's really appreciated. And it's it's a creative process. It's a joy, but, you know, we start these things and we just don't know where they're going to end up. So all of us are riding this sort of creative roller coaster, actually, because it does have its ups and downs. 
Um, but it's been a great catalyst for friendship. And I think certainly for me, I've met people that I would never have met before. I don't think if it, you know, we would have, our paths may not have crossed if it had not been for the festival. That's why I think um, a lot of the jobs I've had were voluntary jobs because you meet all sorts of different people and uh, it just keeps you young and alive, you know. Go out there, do stuff, be silly, enjoy yourself, meet people. You know, that's what life is about. You know, gosh, I, I, I sound like one of those, you know, self-help people who are always smiley and happy, but I'm not like that. You know, I have, I have very difficult times sometimes, but... I'm positive because people give you energy. So uh, thank you for that festival. And thank you, Market Drayton, for taking me in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a big thanks to Market Drayton. Um, she is a generous, a generous town. Um, yeah, so, Yana, well, thanks so much for your very honest and brave um, interview today and for all your enthusiasm and expertise and if anyone wants to get hold of you, I believe you have a Facebook page. Do you want to tell people your address? Yes. So so the address is uh, at Babushka Bakes. Babushka Bakes. Um, uh, or they can they can just find me uh, uh, under Yana Jacobson, Yana Miriam Jacobson. And uh, they can just message me uh, and I'll gladly communicate with them and give them my gingerbread recipe if they're interested brilliant well thank you so much yana and take care and we will stay in touch thank you julia i really enjoyed catching up with yana and hearing all about her incredible baking achievements since living in market drayton as well as her impressive cv and fortitude in looking after her granddaughter kitty a huge congratulations once again to Yana for achieving a Guinness World Record for Market Drayton and the Ginger and Spice Festival. Yana, you are officially amazing. You've been listening to The Spice Larder, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Ginger and Spice Festival. Thanks to everyone who took part in and helped produce this podcast. And if you don't know who we are, go to the About Us page via the website gingerandspicefest.co.uk So you don't miss a show, subscribe to our podcast today and if you like what you've heard, consider giving us a review via Apple or Google Podcasts as this really helps others find us. We regularly post news, features, recipes and competitions via our monthly e-bulletin. Sign up now by visiting our website homepage or emailing us at gingerandspicefest at gmail.com Don't forget to tune in to next month's edition of the Spice Larder podcast. And until then, happy spicing.